everyone, this is Lou Rosenfeld, and welcome to another installation of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. It's a Monday morning, and I'm talking to a guy who just came back from taking his family to a week of hijinks and frolic at Disney. <laughs> so, Richard Dalton, uh, uh, I hope this is a good way to come back to reality. It is. It's certainly a, a, crash, a crashing reality uh, after a week in, in Disney. Um, it was interesting to see all of the things that I'd often read about um, being out there in Florida, um, the attention to detail that they put on things. Um, as, as you know, they're often used as a case study. And I was using a magic band for the first time um, after reading so much about how that was designed as well. So it was an interesting experience. The magic bands are really pretty cool. And uh, uh, if anyone hasn't seen those magic bands, uh, uh, when we went a couple of years ago, they shipped them uh, some weeks in advance in a beautiful box uh, with uh, a different color for each band. And the box had our names next to each band, which I I thought was a nice touch. Is that what you experienced? Absolutely. The unboxing was great. And the, uh, the, the, our bands had the names of our family members, our first names printed on the back of the bands, actually inside the band. And I think the kids probably had more fun uh, using the bands to pay for things and fighting over who got to pay for things than they did going on the rides. It was kind of interesting. Well, you you know, to me, the, the bands were the highlight, but this is a podcast with you and, and not with me. So I'll, I'll just shut up now. Um, Richard is uh, the AVP of Experience Design at USAA, and uh, Richard, maybe uh, you can both explain, uh, because very few people know what USAA is, what it is, and and how um, those types of wristbands may or may not actually have value for your users. Sure, absolutely. So uh, USAA is the United Services Automobile Association. It's a uh, 94-year-old company that provides financial services to the military and the military community. Uh, We're not part of the military or the government, but we serve the military and people that have served in all five branches of the the U.S. military. Um, And we provide insurance, which is where we started, but also banking services and investments and uh, life insurance and things like that, health care insurance even. And um, it's interesting because USA is a a member-owned company. We're not publicly traded or privately held. We're we're owned by the members that we serve. Um, And so there's a huge focus on doing the right thing for the member. you know, the, the, the bands that we were just talking about are interesting because we're getting a little bit into, um, you know, the Internet of Things and, uh, you know, connected cars and connected homes and how we can help people, um, you know, as they own and live in these types of things uh, and, and interact with them in ways far more than just the finances of them. Um, how can we help prevent things from happening rather than just giving people, you know, making them whole and giving them money after something has happened? Um, and so that, 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 that becomes interesting when you're thinking about that kind of physical world nature. And that's why the magic bands are particularly interesting to me. We're a, we're a huge enterprise, um, 28, 29,000 um, people. And so we have a lot of the challenges that um, you would imagine of, of a large, uh, you know, almost 100-year-old enterprise um, and so that's why, you know, the Enterprise UX conference is particularly interesting to us, that and also that it's in our hometown of San Antonio. Uh, did, and you came over from Vanguard uh, with the goal of, um, was it building the team from scratch or growing it? Uh, the team was already in place. A lot of the team was in place. We have a pretty distributed uh, design environment at, at USA, probably 120 to 120. 40 design professionals of one flavor or another um, spread across 
the the company, some in IT, some in marketing, some in uh, um, kind of a, a shared services model, which is my team, um, even some in the businesses, which are kind of starting to do some kind of design thinking type activities. So it's really been about um, providing a bit more support to the resources that are already here and, and, and yes, growing them. Um, from a from a size, uh, you know, uh, perspective, um, to accommodate the the growing desire to to kind of use design um, at, at USAA, um, it's always been here. But I think that the business is really starting to to accept it and to to value it now. Um, you know, we have far more um, demand than we can supply at this point. Uh, so we use a lot of external agencies, and we're trying to balance that. Um, use of external agencies with our own internal resources. How long have you been there? Uh, almost four years now. So, uh, in that, I'd be interested to know uh, four years ago versus now what the breakdown is for your team's responsibilities, or, or what what does your team occupy itself with in terms of uh, user research and design, the nuts and bolts work, versus uh, let's say educating. Uh, versus maybe coordinating resources, including those outside agencies, uh, or even coaching uh, people in-house uh, who are not necessarily formal professionals. There's there's four categories right there, and I imagine that it's not the same today as it was when you started. It's not, no. Um, I mean, you, you kind of hit there on, on at least three or, or if not all four of the major responsibilities of my team at the moment. I have about 30 or 40 um, design professionals uh, right now, and we're putting a lot more effort right now into what we're calling practice development. Um, I have a, a director and a whole team uh, under me that uh, focuses on uh, putting together a curriculum for not just our design practitioners, but also the rest of the organization. Um, we're, we're thinking about it in terms of kind of three concentric rings. We have the 150 or so design practitioners in the center who we need to help, you know, um, scale and grow um, and, and career pathing and, and getting deep into the practice and, 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 and you know, um, the, the, the mechanics of design. And then there's the kind of the, the next concentric circle, which is a lot of the uh, tech leads and agile process owners and product managers and, you know, probably a couple of thousand people there. Um, that interact with design on a daily basis and don't necessarily need to practice it, but need to talk the language um, or, or, or that we need to talk their language. Um, and so it helps if they understand what design is and what it isn't, what it can do and what it can't. Um, and then the outer ring is really everybody else. So 25,000 people, a lot of whom are frontline uh, member service reps that talk to our members every single day. Um, a lot of the rest of the IT and support and HR functions who who still need some awareness of what design is, even if it's a, you know, a 30-minute addition to our new employee orientation, for example, our NEO class, which is a three-day class that everybody takes coming into the organization, um, of, you know, what, how, how to think about design, uh, some of the basic fundamental principles and, and, and some of the language so that they know what's going on around them. Um, so this practice development team spends a huge amount of time focused on education and tools. Um, we also have some teams that work up front with the um, the businesses helping them vision out what they are working on, and that is becoming a lot more um, uh, prevalent these days than it was four years ago. Um, four years ago, the the business uh, 
was very much in the kind of mode of, well, you know, we'll kind of come up with some good ideas and then we'll kind of engage IT on building them. Uh, that's a bit of a generalization. It didn't always happen that way, but it's happening less and less that way. We're, we're now able to push much more into the um, the space of the business thinking that's going on, the prioritization of what they're working on and what they want to push out there. Um, and actually, that's one of the uh, one of the uh, talks that's going to be within the track that I'm curating uh, at the Enterprise UX conference, which is the the track is the politics of innovation, which is really talking about how um, uh, organizations can change and, and invent and do things in a new way um, and the difficulties with that. And uh, three amazing speakers, Harry Max is one of them, and he's going to be talking about a, a prioritization model or framework that he is, uh, is tinkering with and coming up with um, for both for both projects and things that companies want to put out and products they want to put out, but also for the cultural change items, um, because that's something we're faced with a lot is that, you know, there's so much we could try and do from a practice development and a cultural change towards design, but we really are trying to resist that, you know, spread the peanut butter one micron thin across everything approach. Um, we're really trying to focus on a, a smaller number of things uh, and do them properly. Um, and then move on to the next things rather than trying to push the ball or push all the balls forward, um, you know, just pick two or three. Uh, and so that prioritization model and framework, I'm particularly interested to to hear about from Harry. We also, besides Harry, who uh, some of you already know uh, from Rackspace uh, most recently, and now he's at All Clear ID, uh, we have Maria GDC, uh, who's uh, the author of Rise of the Do and... Uh, is you know was the founder of Hot Studio, which she sold to Facebook, and now she's the the first. I think uh, her role is VP of Experience Design at Autodesk. She's essentially the first in that role there. And um, Steve Beatty, uh, who's been a real fixture in the interaction design community for years, but has really um, gone more into organizational change, and uh, he, he's uh, making the trip from uh, Sydney from his uh, company Mel Studios. So how how are their contributions rounding out the program? It's fascinating, actually, because um, we've got three really great different perspectives. Uh, yeah, I, I talked a little bit about Harry there, but uh, Maria is uh, really just starting um, a journey of uh, design culture change um, at Autodesk. Um, for people that attended uh, Enterprise UX last year will have heard Catherine Courage from uh, Citrix talking about um, their uh, their journey over the past six or seven years to, to scale and grow uh, their design practice from one to three three or four hundred people and to really embed the practices into into the organization. Um, and that was a kind of a look back on the last six years story. Maria is hoping to to tell uh, somewhat of a, a similar story, but from the other perspective, from a, you know, she's planning this, she's starting it out, she's about six months in right now, and by the time the conference comes around, probably nine months in, and um, she'll be talking about the Kind of the, the difficulties, the challenges, the successes, um, the laughter, the tears, I'm sure, that she's experiencing um, as she's going through it and, and uh, you know, how uh, what she's planning or what she has planned in the, in the first year or two, how is that 
how that actually is coming to fruition. Um, uh, I think I think a famous general once said, you know, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Um, and while certainly we're not talking about um, enemies, um, it'll be interesting to see how what she's intending to do and what's actually happening um, is, is going, going well, down. One of the things that I've enjoyed a lot about talking with uh, with Maria is her focus on leadership over management. I, I think a lot of us are in roles that are new and, and are forcing us to be managers. It's not necessarily something that we're all good at naturally, um, and it's rare that we've been given any educational uh, exposure to to uh, tools of management, and suddenly we're managers. And, and, and so a lot of us are focused on that, but Maria's, in my experience, taking us a bit further afield by focusing on leadership. And I, I wonder if um, you know that's an important distinction from your experience at Vanguard and USAA. I think so. I think uh, I would uh, kind of characterize one of the key differences between management and leadership as management for me is is kind of dealing with the present and and leadership in a lot of cases is dealing with the future. Um, uh, you know, management dealing with the, you know, the, the, the ebb and flow of supply and demand of resources and managing them and growing the teams and, and helping people develop and resolving problems. Um, and leadership is more of the, well, where are we going? What are we, what, what direction do we want to set here? Um, both from a perspective of who we want to bring into the organization and who we work with within the organization, um, how we, understand how to influence within the organization, how we understand what other people in the organization care about, um, because that's really how to, um, to to talk to other people in the organization and to influence is, is understanding um, what's in it for them, right? What, what makes them successful, what, what their role is, how they can, um, enjoy what they're doing. I mean, for me, a lot of the, the, the key pieces around, um, leadership is, is, is creating environments where people can enjoy what they're doing. Um, and I think that that's, uh, something that amidst a lot of change can be very difficult because change makes people very uncomfortable. Um, that's a perfect uh, lead into Steve's talk, which is about overcoming the fear of change. Is, is he going to be talking about the fear that we feel as people who may have moved into these management leadership roles or more organization-wide where you're trying to actually affect organizational change? I think he'll probably touch on both. Um, I, I, the, the major focus, though, is how to help people to um, realize that change is not a negative um, uh, which is difficult because as he and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, for many people, especially those who, who have grown up in a, in a more traditional business environment, um, change is something to be managed, controlled, avoided. It's it's a change equals risk in some in many cases, especially in the in the industry that I'm in, but obviously many others as well. Um, and, and, and it, and it, you know, as he kind of put it, you know, a lot of people's job in an organization is to get better and better at one narrow thing, um, which which digs them into a rut. And change can challenge that, which makes them very uncomfortable because no no longer the thing that, that they have got a lot of experience in isn't quite so important anymore. And they're being challenged to learn something new. Um, 
And that means they're not going to be, you know, quote unquote, as good at their job, uh, or at least that is their perception. Um, and I think that's something that um, that organizations increasingly need to come to terms with and that people in the organizations and leaders in the organizations from a business and technology perspective need to become um, uh, more comfortable with. I would say that leaders in the design space have got a little bit of an advantage here because um, the design uh, space at least the way that we're using the word design here um, in, in, a, in a certainly a more of a digital sense is newer and far more in flux and flexible uh, and fluid. And so people have gotten more used to uh, change than some of our business and technology kind of counterparts and colleagues. Well, in fact, some of us uh, were drawn to what we do because it's in flux. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, it's a fantastic lineup, uh, including yourself. I really appreciate the work that you've been doing with the other three folks, Harry and, and Maria and Steve, uh, months in advance. We, we kind of, as conference organizers, we torture you guys and, and make you talk and work instead of just showing up and, <laughs> and meeting the night before. So thank you for that. Uh, Richard You're Dalton welcome. will be, uh, again, leading uh, one of our four themes on the politics of innovation at Enterprise UX, which is June 8th through 10th in San Antonio. Uh, I want to take it back to USAA for one moment. Uh, you were talking about the change that's going to be impacting the company, and we were bringing in the idea of, of wearables and the Internet of Things. And with all the technology change, uh, the promise of certainly cars uh, becoming almost accident-free, if that's really possible. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens to a company that um, provides insurance for drivers? You know, I think USA has always seen um, insurance, auto insurance, even though it was the first thing that we started offering um, as a means to an end. Um, USA's mission is to... Um, you know, facilitate the financial security of our members, their associates, uh, and their families. And um, auto insurance is one way we do that. And uh, as technology moves forward, um, we'll find other ways of ensuring that financial security. Um, and that really is why large organizations like USA and every other insurer and really every other financial institution is uh, is thinking about, you know, how can we um, you know, be the ones that are, are almost disrupting ourselves um, versus being disrupted from the outside. Um, it's a it's a scary but very exciting time for organizations like ourselves. I love that idea of disruption from the inside because you know what? It's going to happen anyway. Well, thank you. Uh, Richard, we'll see you in San Antonio in June, and I hope I'll run into you in the IA Summit in uh, Atlanta the month prior. And thanks for being with us today. Uh, absolutely. It's a pleasure.